The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Hello, all you dream weavers and power partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power, Star Style B, the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are your personal growth success coaches with you here every week on World Talk Radio and Star Style. We have you on our radar, and we want you to help your dreams come true, to live a life of passion and purpose and possibility because we want you to do what you love and follow your heart. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by our teen radio program, Express Yourself, on the Voice America Kids Network, airing Tuesdays at noon Pacific. For more info, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And this is from Gilliam Apollinaire. Now and then, it's good to pause in our pursuit of happiness and just be happy. So, Heather, are you happy today? Are you pausing to be happy? I am pausing to be happy. I am taking a moment to realize how beautiful the weather is, and I am just being. I know, and how fortunate we are to live here in uh, beautiful California, especially on a sunny day. Well, let's talk about today's show. We are bringing back Dr. Peter Clement, author of the medical thriller, The Darkness Drops, and he'll be in our second segment if you were frightened by the theories that we presented last week, this week we're going to share a behind-the-scenes look at the medical experts who have our health and our welfare in mind. And speaking of health and health matters, our resident health specialist, you, Heather Brittany, will bring us the latest news on diabetes. And in segment three, it's the coaching corner with me, Cynthia Bryan, and I'm going to help you stop talking and go into action. And I think most of us need to do that. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of your favorite brew, and prepare for the power hour of positive talk. We're going to start off with the D word, diabetes. It may not be as frightening as the C word, yet nevertheless, it is an incurable, lifelong chronic disease in which there are high levels of sugar in the blood. 
So, Heather, today you are going to be talking to us about uh, diabetes and what the symptoms are and what we can do about it. And I don't believe there is any cure, but we can learn how to manage it. So talk to us about diabetes and why has it become uh, so increasingly prevalent in our world? What are the causes, the risks, fast factors, etc.? <laughs> well, exactly. So, um, maybe, you know, we've, we've talked on other shows about the various diabetes, and I'll get to all three. And just as you said, there isn't, um, as of now, unfortunately, there isn't a cure for it. There are definitely ways to treat it and manage it. And um, through certain things based on people's individual um, level of the disease, um, they've been able to sort of temporarily make it almost come off the radar, that it's still present, but it's become very, very mild. And something that's amazing that um, in a 2010 study, um, nearly 26 million people have diabetes um, in the United States currently, and they believe about 7 million people um, are undiagnosed and about 57 other million people, 57 million are pre-diabetic. And That's huge. So and what does that mean to be pre-diabetic? You want to explain that too. So I'll definitely get on this. something like that. I mean, one of the biggest things we're seeing is um, before uh, diabetes is, is most common in um Sort of more civilized, more in more industrial areas, just like ourselves, the United States of America. And as we know, the the, the ever so growing Western diet has been responsible for a lot, um, a, a big increase in poor health throughout the world. Um, all these, you know, a billion, you know, smiles, the whole McDonald's thing. You've seen the super size. You've seen the state of how, um, you know, everyone's health is. Is that we've gone away from, you know. Our, you know, fresh food, um, we've become these processed, oh, supersized, oversized, full of sugar, what, you know, refined sugar, unhealthy ways of eating, and this kind of go, 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 and, and they really base that on is this is that the Western lifestyle. So they're seeing a lot more in countries that it wasn't an issue. They're starting to see that because they've adapted more of this Western um, Western eating style. So pre-diabetic is just like, you know, hypertension, people with high blood pressure, people who are um, obese or becoming that way, um, eating sugary food, un- unhealthy foods, again, higher, very high BMI levels, um, which is, you know, your height and your fat calculated. Um, that, things like that is that's what's increasing. These people are on the road um to diabetes, people who aren't eating, and unless we know is there is sort of this thing as a skinny fat. Sometimes people on the outside may look very healthy; they may be tall and thin, but and they kind of live that lifestyle of oh, I oh god, I have a great metabolism; I can eat whatever I want, and I never gain pounds. So they may not be gaining um, the weight at the time. The rest of their body internally is is wreaking, um, you know, the negative benefit that's, you know, kind of wreaking havoc on the inside. And this way when they're going in, they can't believe that, you know, they have, um, you know, such, such high sugar levels or that they have, they're hypertensive. So all the things like that. And kind of getting with the three, um, the three main types of diabetes, and we've discussed these on various shows before, but one being um, type 1 
diabetes, which is usually um, seen as uh, juvenile diabetes. Sometimes people can be born with it or it on at an early age. Um, something that a lot of times people are getting um, diabetes later on life, which is due to um, type 2 diabetes, which is most likely due to their lifestyle, um, you know, eating unhealthy food, sugars, all that stuff. That's secondary. And then the third, um, that we we actually did a whole show about it, is about gestational diabetes, which is the diabetes that affects women when they become pregnant. So uh, it occurs in about 2 to 5% of all pregnancies. And something interesting about it is about 20 to 50% of women who do experience um, this gestational diabetes um, will actually um, develop diabetes later on in life. Gestational diabetes is the only one um, saying that, you know, after after birth it goes away. It's just a temporary thing. Um, and that's another really big thing of, of when you do get pregnant, and we, we talked about in this show before, um, don't take it as this, oh, you know, now I can suddenly eat whatever I want. No, just think if you want to have a healthy pregnancy, everything you eat, your child is eating. So make sure you know, you're, you're nourishing your own body you know, with healthy vegetables and proteins and good fats. And, and you know, if you're having sweets, limit them. They, they say you only need an additional three to 500 calories a day when you're pregnant, not 3,000 to 5,000. So, Heather, can um, we talk we, about um, the type 1 that affects the kids? Because you mentioned how the lifestyle and the eating habits of, of Western cultures, because it's so high in fat and high in sugar, is really caused this surge in diabetes in countries that are adopting this way of eating. Is this the reason that kids uh, were seeing more, I mean, besides the hereditary hereditary factor, is this why we're seeing more diabetes in kids these days? Yeah, well, so what it is is it's a failure for your body to produce insulin. Um, and, and, and actually something that, that's interesting, a lot of times it, it isn't, um, you know, some people at a very young age, not even diet influence, are almost sort of born born with this. The juvenile diabetes that we see is this: that at a very young age, um, these people are are having this resistance to it, um, that their body isn't producing enough of it. Uh, sorry, at a young age, their body isn't producing enough of it. It's the type two that their body um, makes a resistance to it. And, yeah, it is a huge thing. We're talking about this is so many parents, you know, aren't eating healthy, and they're pushing that onto their children. And we're seeing such increases in childhood obesity. This was never um, a thing before in the past. And, and, you know, it's really hard when they do these studies of getting an accurate thing because I know when I was a kid it used to be this, you know, clean your plate, you know, that – um, it was almost like you were in trouble if you pushed things right. We, it, was, it, it was rewarded for eating everything off your plate. You were considered a good eater. Um, but also something that was big is not only, you know, we were told finish everything, but we were eating healthy in essence that, you know, home-cooked meals, but also we were getting out and running around more. You know, we actually had that full hour, 45 minutes of, of lunch, of recess, and we had PE, physical education, as a kid, um, at least, you know, my, we were always you know, playing after-school sports. And, you know, you're playing around with the neighborhood kids. Your life wasn't devoted to texting on your phone and being on the computer. It was constantly the social. So we were, you know, needing enough calories um, because we were burning so much. Just as you should always, you know, what what goes, you know, what goes in, you should be burning out and burning it out, too. And, and that just isn't 
the case anymore. Kids aren't getting, you know, proper exercise, and they're not, you know, they're cutting physical education programs, and they're not doing, um, you know, having recesses, and they're, they're so inside. Well, also the technological revolution, I think, has something to do with that, is kids now are, you know, we've again, we've done shows on this, how they are not unplugged. They are plugged into their computers, uh, you know, like almost 24-7, or they're on their phones, or they're playing video games. So they're indoors more as opposed to just being outdoors, and that has to have a huge you know, a huge effect on it. Yeah, and and one thing, you know, is what kind of brought our attention to us about doing this was part of the thing I've talked to other shows about how I just love Paula Dean, how I think she's so great. And um, I've kind of mixed feelings about this of how the – so recently, I mean, if you've ever seen her cooking shows, she uses – you know, 20 cups of butter and, and the whole thing. I mean, and she's cute as a button, hilarious. But no one can watch her show and really think, you know, that these are healthy meals. I think if you watch it, you could probably think of ways that you could, um, you know, alter them a little. Add maybe light, you know, maybe not as much butter or use non-fat milk instead of whole milk. But recently um, she came out saying that um, for the past years she had been diagnosed with, di- with type 2 diabetes meaning that came on late stage and she's actually has a contract um, now to be a spokesmember for a diabetic medication and something that's interesting to me is how so many people have um, not been so well open armed about this that they feel they've been duped and you know oh and, and almost you know oh Paula Dean gave me diabetes I must say, people need to think for themselves. When you're watching this show, there's nothing about it. It is whole. If you know Southern cooking, you know it is deep fried, battered, sugared, buttered. There's nothing that says, you know, fresh green salad about it. Um, I think what's really great, though, is that someone in the media, just as you said, is though it's not as scary as cancer, it is a real issue, and it, it can cause so many other complications, people just think, okay, it just means I have sugar in my blood. Well, it can potentially, you know, it can lead to death. It can lead to heart attack. It can cause blindness. Um, your your eyes are absorbing the glucose, um, are absorbing in um, in your eye. And there's so many that your fingers, hands and fingers and swell. There's so many complications. You can have, you know, renal, your, your, your various uh, parts of your body can stop functioning because of this disease, because... Your body, you know, it's, it's like a machine. It needs everything, every part of it to be working properly. So Paula Dean recently came out, and, and though there's been the backlash that, you know, why wasn't she more open about this, how, you know, been so long, I really her coming out with this thing, you know, bringing sort of it in, into the media, into so that people are talking about and that though, you know, she's being represented by a drug company now, um, I think that's great because it shows people that, um, you know, with a change in your diet and lifestyle, um, medications are also a really great um, thing too to help you know, to help me this kind of full, well balanced maintenance of diabetes. Because, like with all things, having diabetes though it's difficult and it's hard, you though as of right now we haven't found a cure for it. You can um, manage it, and you can definitely you know make it improve it and lower your levels and really be on top of it. And a big thing with that is a change in your in your diet, a change in your lifestyle. You got to get out and move, and also medications that help with it. And as we know, medications 
um, are helpful with all things. People with, you know, high cholesterol or high blood pressure. Um, there's so many things to look into and in talking with your doctor of possibly putting a prescription into um, your kind of your full maintenance plan of with diabetes. Well, great information as always, Heather, and it's probably a, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that Paula Dean has diabetes, but I am glad that she has come forth and is at least letting people know about the dangers and the preventions and how you can leave, uh, lead, um, a healthier lifestyle. And speaking of doctors, when we come back from break, we're going to have Dr. Peter Clement will be joining us again this week to continue the saga of his medical thriller, The Darkness Drops, because we don't want to be frightened of the future because we do know doctors have it under control. So, Heather, give out the websites, and we're going to get to The Darkness Drops. Most definitely. We want you to check out our website. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org as well as BeTheStarYouAre.com. And we're going to just take a quick break. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And get ready for Dr. Peter Clement and the darkness drops when we return. Don't go away. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the airwaves, 
Cynthia Bryan. You'll find all you need in a life. Well, our gratitude to all of you power partners around the world for listening to this upbeat, positive talk radio program right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. I am your host and your personal growth guide, Cynthia Bryan. Well, last week on Star Style, we introduced to you an astonishing new thriller penned by medical doctor and best-selling author Dr. Peter Clement called The Darkness Drops. Now, The Darkness Drops is a fictional saga based on extensive research about bioweapons and bioterror that keeps you riveted to its pages. Today, we're going to continue the series of conversations scheduled right here, and the good doctor is in again, so we can better understand the behind the scenes of writing this richly engrossing ebook. Hello again, Peter. Welcome back to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. Glad to be here. Well, we really enjoyed last week, and you introduced this book, The Darkness Drops, and the bioterror warfare and the ramifications of such horrific events that are chronicled therein. And, of course, it was all very frightening. But this week we want to make sure that our audience do not feel hopeless or helpless, despite the authentic characters and the incidents that you created as a must-read in The Darkness Drops. So let's give everyone a bit of your background, because I think that really helps I'd like to you know expand upon it a, a bit so that they know how much uh, in-depth study you have done as a doctor with your 20 years in both your uh, family practice and as an ER physician so if you would just talk a bit more about your credentials your background and then we'll get into how you created your characters sure um, well as I said briefly last week, I've divided my time in medicine between family practice and in emergency medicine. Um, I've done that at a teaching hospital, so I've um, all through been involved in the teaching of residents in both professions. Um, And in being part of a teaching hospital, I also have been involved in various um, um, uh, investigations and research about best practices and bad practices in ER. And in my duties as chief of both departments, um, I have also been involved in task force that have gone and looked at other hospitals to see how things might be done better and how um, unfortunate events or undesirable events might be minimized. Uh, and all through that time, I also have been the uh, chairperson for the hospital disaster committee. Um, and this means um, p- planning various eventual, eventual, for various eventualities and having a response ready, including running drills. Um, See, I so- find that so fascinating, Peter, because it's not something that we as lay people really think about that, uh, you know, we hear about the frightening things, but we forget that you as professional medical personnel are already trained and you're prepared for things like this. Well, we certainly so- try to be prepared. Um, I mean, one way of looking as I was sort of, you know, honing up on just a brief description here, I said, so I'm, you know, I'm a guy that's had a lot of experience in when things go wrong. And, uh, um, but for certain, you know, we run toward what the rest of the world wants to run away from. 
and um, that's the world that I try to bring into my books. Um, it is graphic, but it is not gratuitous blood and gore. In fact, this is the evidence by which uh, doctors are um, able to solve what is wrong and begin to you know, retrieve healing from chaos and literally sometimes uh, raise the dead in resuscitations. This is what makes The Darkness Drop such a fascinating book because, as you just said, it is not gratuitous and graphic in the blood, gore, violence, or any of that. It, instead, it alludes to it, and there is there is a remedy for things. Let's talk about your characters. Your, your characters in the book are so well-developed. They are so honed. They feel like people we know. How did you develop these characters? Where did some of the odder ones come from? You know, the spies, the double agents, that kind of thing. Because to me, they were very fascinating individuals. Yet, even if they, with their idiosyncrasies, they were, they, most of them had a heart filled with love. Well, it, it was interesting. Um, all the characters in this book, actually were inspired by stories and events and people I met and encounters and research that I was uh, coming across uh, while researching other books. Um, I couldn't use them in those stories. They weren't in, you know, appropriate to, to, to the narratives that I was working on at the time. But the ideas were so gripping and so enticing that I just couldn't let them go. And um, when I was through with the books I had been working on, uh, these characters really cried out for their own story. And uh, that's what I set out to do. I was wondering about, you know, because you are a physician and you were in medical, in uh, family medical practice for so long, one of the overriding themes that comes out of The Darkness Drops is the absolute love of a child and how you, as a parent, you would do anything to protect that child. And uh, that came across in several different episodes with, you know, different nationalities, etc. It's, it is a, it's a global feeling that we love our children. And of course, you know, you don't, you don't realize it in some of the places where you're reading about it until, uh, till later. Was, did that come from your experiences or did it come more from your research? I think it came from being a parent as much as anything. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't we all? And don't we all do that? And isn't that a grand thing? Um, I, uh, again, though, I mean, I, I've spent a lifetime dealing with when things go wrong, and you see, um, you know, this is a bond that is probably the strongest there is and, and uh, between humans, and uh, I wanted to explore that. And it, particularly in chaotic and, and frightening times, don't we think of our children, even when our children are growing? I mean, I think we're always parents, and certainly... Um, the encounters I've had with patients all my life. I mean, how much time do we spend talking about children? It's, right. Uh, I, I would agree with you. As a parent, I w- I w- we're a parent for the rest of our lives. The day that you give birth or you bring a child into your life, that's, you know, it's forever. And yeah. I remember when I was a little girl, Peter, and my mom would say, I would cut off my right arm for one of you kids. I was really afraid she was going to cut off her right arm. And then I thought, who, well, there were five of us. Who was going to hug us? You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> that was really scary. Well, your kids labeled you Mr. Safety, and you have said there's a little bit of Dr. Terry Ryder in you. He is a most, most charming, very intelligent character. He's always 12 steps ahead, yet he really is burdened with a lot of the horrors of what's going on, and he can he sees the big picture. Tell us um, about this character. I mean, in my life, I want a Terry Ryder on my side. I would like to know Terry Ryder. Oh, he is definitely definitely the guy you want with you when it's a hard time or, or a, a difficult and chaotic uh, situation. Um, it, I uh, was inspired to, to create this guy by meeting the actual advisor to the White House on bioterror preparedness. Um, I had dinner with him and his team. Um, very quickly found out that they, in their work, do exactly what a thriller writer does. They play what if, and they dream up scenarios, and then they devise responses to those scenarios. Um, and we had a very interesting time sort of ex- swapping uh, different scenarios that we had both sort of construed for our our, our different jobs. Um, there's, of course, being much more serious than mine, mine being to entertain and educate. Um, but after the, uh, the, the dinner was over, um, I kept wondering, you know, what must it be like to be this guy, uh, to spend your days with these scenarios going in your head and knowing background that means, you know, probably there's a lot more near misses than we ever hear about because his job is to prepare and prevent and intercede. Uh, both natural disasters and perhaps, you know, those from um, more um, uh, uh, villainous purposes. Um, and how could you think up these scenarios all day and deal with them and then, you know, shut down these thoughts and go home to your loved ones? And what's more, how do you love a guy like Terry Ryder? Um, he's got these horrific scenarios in his head, and they're always lingering on the periphery of, you know, the uh, a family's intimate and vulnerable uh, moments, and yeah. uh, so and that's at the what same time, he's such about. he's such an incredibly lovable man, and love is always at the forefront of his of his um, thinking. He's always thinking about Carla, even he's thinking about his his past loves. I mean, he he really is kind of the doctor for the world. He cares about everyone. We're talking to Dr. Peter Clement. He is the author of The Darkness Drops as well as many other books. His website, peterclementbooks.com. This book, The Darkness Drops, is available as an ebook. You can get it now, peterclementbooks.com or wherever you like to get your ebooks for your downloads. And I really recommend that you do that. Peter, you have really strong female characters. And I like that as a woman. You know, you don't see too many books written or movies made where there are really, our women are at the forefront. Yet, you have three leading ladies, basically, in in your book. Is this because you were, you're surrounded by so many talented women in the medical field? Um, tell us about that part. Well, I mean, that's certainly a part of it. Um, just to give you a, a sense of the change, when I was in medical school, I think there were three or four women in the whole class. Now it's even over, it's over 50% in the profession. And that changed so much within medicine. Um, 
so yes, uh, I'm surrounded and amazed and you know privileged to 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 work with you know very talented, very strong, very independent women, um, and and in particular what. Um, I think is I wanted to explore in the darkness drops was just the bonds between um, single um, women who were doctors and um, who had daughters. Um, because that said, being you know in a milieu where women play a, you know a, a, an equal part, um, it is also a very demanding milieu, and um, there's a lot of mothers uh, who are now. Uh, single and who are trying also to work with the heavy duties of a career in medicine, um, and that's where I wanted to uh, uh, to also add that dimension to the uh, complexity of the story. Well, you also have woven in uh, individuals, personalities from different countries, different backgrounds, different different cultural feelings as well. So, in this particular one, you know, we have. Uh, Russia or the USSR and in China, that is a very interesting fact because people are different in different countries. Although you know, when it comes down to it, we're all just absolutely human beings and want to survive and thrive and and love our families. But did your your characters, especially Anna and Carla and Wei Chin? Did you know people that you based them on, or did they just appear like you know, like so often from your research and from your conversations, it's like you just make a compendium of a character? Um, they are a compendium, but yes, I did know um, in particular uh, some women that came out from behind the Iron Curtain and to practice and train and re, you know retrain and practice in the West. Um, and um, um, their stories were always fascinating and very different, as you say, a different perspective um, on a, a common ground. Um, the um, um, and that was the prototype for the um, uh, Anna Katasova, the the woman from Russia. Um, I um, based the Wei Chen character on uh, graduate students who were uh, in the United States uh, studying. Uh, under obligation to return to China. And this was particularly interesting because uh, uh, sometimes these women had young children who basically grew up in the United States while they were here in training, and then the prospect and the conflicts then about taking them back to China. Um, and, and, of course, both of these um, sources uh, were able to tell stories about how more dictatorial uh, governments uh, can manipulate and force compliance um, uh, on individuals, um, even manipulating family members that are still back in the homeland. Well, uh, and that's a very intriguing part of the darkness drops is this compliance issue with the manipulation of family members because you just never know if your family is safe unless you're doing what your government has told you to do. Let's get into the writing process. Again, we're talking about the ebook, The Darkness Drops. Peter Clement is the author and his website, peterclementbooks.com. This is an ebook. You can get it at any time. And this talk about a fantastic book for summer reading or, or, or when you're traveling on that airplane. I'll tell you, this will just, you won't, you won't want to fall asleep because it's just so fascinating. 
Now, you say that the darkness drop is not just drops is not just another virus story because there's so many of them around. So you wanted to use your your medical training to create this thriller genre. So tell us your process of actually writing. You know, you met with you had dinner with people, you did your research. What was it like? Well, basically, um, what I need to do to get started, whether it's for a scene or even for a larger, you know, a chapter, and and ultimately for the, you know, the overriding arc of suspense in a novel, um, I write very visually, and I work off of visual Im- imagery. I have to get that central image of um, what is going on. And from there, I then seem to be able to uh, describe the action, get the dialogue, have the people moving and doing what they need to do. Um, if I don't initially get that central image, I have difficulty. And so that seems to be a routine that I've learned to use and to rely upon. Um, were you a writer as a teenager or a child? Did you always like to read and write? And and were thrillers like your favorite genre? Well, I, uh, yes. I mean, I grew up in a house without TV, if you can imagine. So listen to Yes, I think plays. it's a good thing, actually. Well, I, I got to, I did a lot of reading, and I also listened to a lot of radio plays, Um I'm of a generation where I was quite young, but there was still good radio uh, drama uh, coming across the airwaves. And basically what they have in common is that your own imagination tells the story uh, as you're fed the words from either the page or from the, um, the dramatization. And that, I think, really kind of set my uh, um, uh, way of understanding stories was visually. And yes, thrillers were, my first thriller was uh, John Buchan's 39 Steps and um, was hooked ever since. <laughs> well, that, what a good way, well, you know, really great one to start with. You yeah. know, uh, when you say about your imagination, I, I really agree with you there. You have a scene in The Darkness Drops that takes place in China that um, is, I don't want to give anything away, but it's a water scene. <laughs> Yeah. A, a deluge. Is that an actual place, or is this something that you created? I created. Because, did I, you? I created it out of the landscape that was researched, etc. Oh my goodness! Because it felt so real. It felt so real. It was, and I could just see this again as a movie and moving along in this. That was an amazing, amazing creation. Now I need to add something to that. Um, I was once swimming with uh, my sons in rather strong waves and waves that were beginning to exhaust me and um, it was trying to get beyond the shore break and um, they were not that old and there was this one time when I knew I was just losing my strength while they were out further than me and I could see them through the waves and I could not reach them. Now they turned out fine and I was, I had other friends with me who were very strong swimmers and everything was fine. But I just remember that awful, awful sensation of trying to get to them and just being overpowered by water. It's and almost a panic. Scene. I mean, it, you know, when you know you want to help but you can't. That was it. And it was just overwhelming. I did not have the strength and, um, it was a terrible sensation. 
And in that sense, that was the central image that let me cast that scene. Well, that is, wait, readers, you have to read the whole book, but when you get to this scene, you will be literally carried away. The Darkness Drops, PeterClementBooks.com. What have you learned from writing your books? Is You've written eight books now, so... What have, what's been the journey? Have you learned something new with each one? Do you still love the process? Um, yes, I, um, it's, it's changed over the years and book by book. Um, I think one lesson that I've learned and have continued to kind of reinforce, and it was a very difficult one for me, was the role of trial and error in writing. Um, coming from the profession I'm in, where, you know, error is zero tolerance, um, having to work at, at, at a passage and, and often not get it right and have to go back and rework and rework and rework, um, if I did my medicine like that, I'd be in jail. Um, exactly. But as a writer, you have to do it right. you got to do it right the first time. Exactly. And you're, of course, trained to do that. And, of course, it's skill and it's, it's objective and, and it's the kind of thing you can learn but um, it still is, a, is an art and with the science, and it still requires judgment, and it still requires a lot of faculties. But in writing, um, just the degree of uh, you have to constantly be willing to fail in order to get the good stuff. Um, and that, I think, is just the nature and the imperative of writing, that you have to be willing to kind of spend the days where nothing seems to be working. And as I've gone on, though, one thing I've learned is those days are never wasted because I was just going to say it's humbling. I always find it's humbling, but my motto is failure is fertilizer. You put it on the compost pile and grow a new garden. So your failures lead to something better, right? Exactly. And somehow this stuff goes through a sea change when you're doing other things or sleeping or whatever. And suddenly a few days from then you get it and it comes out. You know, easy is, but it isn't easy. It's been a lot of work that has gone on. And, and so that aspect of writing that does go through a sea change, um, uh, it, it's actually been researched, you know, that after you've applied all the logical, you know, uh, approaches to a problem, go for a walk. Change your mind. And when you come back so often, you're, you know, you've done something that you couldn't do logically. I agree. I have to go out into the garden or I have to go, I have to listen to uh, water. I like being around water, whether it's the ocean yes. or a fountain or, or even if I'm not near anything, take a shower. <laughs> and it seems like, it, it seems like the ideas, you know, will just come to you then. You know, in, many people can say, oh, I've talked to authors who say, oh, I can write a book in, in four weeks or I can write a book in eight weeks or whatever it is. How long does it usually take you? Because I feel that it's such a process. It can be two years, ten years. It's just however long it takes to write. That's how long it takes. I am of that opinion. And I wanted, when I set out to do this book, um, I had been writing thrillers once a year. And that is a different kind of process. And I like that very much. And each one I tried to challenge myself a bit more. Um, this one, though, with all the characters and the multi-layered story, I wanted to give myself the time it took, and it would take. And I knew going in, this was not going to be a, a you know done in a year. It was going to take at least two, and it turned out to take four. Um, and that was then there was even then polishing to do. Um, I basically uh, 
set out to do a book that was going to challenge me more than anyone had. I think it's important that you keep your own interest, and and I wanted a book of enough size and enough challenge that it would do that and get me to the finish line still uh, passionate about it. Well, and you did do that. So we've been talking to Peter Clement, the author of The Darkness Drops, and he'll be with us again next week, so you'll want to listen in his website, PeterClementBooks.com. This is an ebook, so you don't have to order it you or run to the store. You can just go to your computer and download it. And so, uh, Peter, we want to leave our our audiences and our readers knowing that they really are in good hands. And even though you're talking about bioweapons and viruses, etc., in the darkness drops, we don't want people to be so frightened or be so anxious that something's going to happen and there's not going to be a remedy for it. So uh, the book really, it's its exhilarating, it's funny, it's inspiring, and it's, it's a love story, most of all. That's really what the intention was, is to create this love story. So just give us a little wrap-up for this week, and then we will encourage everyone to buy the ebook and go to PeterClementBooks.com. Um, yes, uh, would, uh, from the beginning and all through the book, um, I always remember the dictionary definition of the word suspense. And you might surprise yourself if you look it up, because the first word is the pleasurable fear or anticipation of what's going to happen next in enjoying a story. And however, uh, trying the uh, uh, various travails of, of Terry Ryder and, and all the other characters that are in The Darkness Drops, um, I do think that uh, readers will find it pleasurable, and that's certainly been my attempt. Um, And it's been my experience, Peter. This was not only a pleasurable book, it's an exciting book. And it's one I can't get out of my head and I can't get the characters out of my head. And I find myself talking about it to everybody I know. So, again, thank you for writing it. If you like a writer, you make sure you tell your friends because that's how books uh, stay alive these days. That's exactly right. It's word of mouth. So everyone, please, after you've listened to this interview, check out PeterClementBooks.com and go ahead and forward the information to your friends and Twitter it and Facebook it and all of that. And and if you'd like to contact Peter, you can get in touch with him via his website as well because we know as writers we do like to hear from our uh, people who are our readers and then you know what to write next time. Well, Peter, thank you so much. We've got two more weeks of uh, talking about The Darkness Drops, so I'm excited about the whole thing and I'm really glad that you are giving us this time to share your story, story, your process, how you do your research, and of course your background. Uh, you are authentic and you are the real McCoy, so you're the perfect person to do it. As I have been telling everybody I know, you are the John Grisham of the medical thriller writers, so we want you to keep on writing. Well, thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> thank we'll see you, you in a bit. <laughs> okay, well, we'll be talking next week. Again, go to Peter Clement Books. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to help us all stop stop talking, listen more, and go into action. We all need to go into action. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Cynthia. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. 
what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Salespeople are often compared to athletes because to be successful, they need to create habits that will give them selling results most of the time. Jay Mitchell Perry, author of In the Zone, Achieving Optimal Performance in Business, as is in sports, suggests that business people could learn four steps towards high performance. First, create some type of ritual to get your mind focused and prepared for action. Second, visualize your success and prepare for objections. Third, seize the moment, carp diem. People like to buy, but they don't like to be sold. And fourth, celebrate your accomplishments by calling your boss, your spouse, or doing a jog What's important is knowing that you can condition yourself to be a great salesperson just as an athlete practices peak performance. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For coaching info, writing, or sponsorships, email Cynthia at CynthiaBryan.com or visit StarStyleProductions.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flames. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit be the star you are.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Be the star you are. You are the star. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, this is Cynthia Bryan, and I just love Peter Clement's book, The Darkness Drops. I mean, I can't say enough good things about it, so I really encourage you to pick up an ebook and start reading it and join our conversation because he'll be with us for two more weeks. Uh, we went over, you know, a bit long, but that's okay because I, I have to not talk so much this one and just urge you 
to start going into action. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know how I'm always talking about the importance of good communication, urging better communications, and attempting to give you the skills to be better understood because communication is one of the most important aspects of every relationship, whether it's positive or negative. Talk is not necessarily communication, though, and there's lots of nonverbal ways to communicate. So many people waste a lot of time and energy and then develop resentment by making big amount um, announcements about things. You know, like as parents, we may say, oh, if you don't pick up your clothes, I'm going to send them to Goodwill. If you don't help me, I'll just do it myself, um, you know, on and on and on. And that's not really communicating. That is really and truly, that is sabotaging someone. So, you know, if you really want to have good uh, communication, you have to start by listening. Whining, complaining, nagging, making snide remarks are not the same as asking for what you want. You don't want to yell, pout, have temper tantrums or hissy fits, that is not effective communications. So if you think that either your partner or your boss isn't working with you, those techniques are useless and they actually make the problem worse. So you don't want to fight over something over and over again because it's like Einstein, you know, that if you're doing the same thing over and over again with the same result, that's the definition of insanity. So there are effective techniques and skills that can work. Number one is to ask directly for you for what you want, directly. And then if you're not getting any cooperation, you can bypass the struggles and the hassles and the arguing by stop talking about it and just go ahead and solve the problem. The most powerful encouragement to join in and agree to a negotiation is when people are part of the solution because no one wants to lose power. You know, we are power partners. That's why we call this the hour of power. You want to be able to negotiate and you want people to understand you. So going into action to negotiate and to solve problems is the emphasis here. There are several benefits to the approach. It's liberating to assert yourself on your own behalf and to realize that you don't have to have other people's participation to be satisfied and you don't have to be unkind or shut people out. When you take action, you don't have to have the problem you were concerned about uh, with you anymore. You can still have a great relationship because you are not worried about the other person trying to solve it. And so that keeps you from complaining, feeling frustrated, angry, or deprived. It takes the pressure off the other person because maybe they don't want to deal with it. And it will increase the likelihood that uh, they will relax, be less defensive, and more interested in what you are attempting to communicate. When you communicate well, it prevents you from being helpless and frustrated, and you enable others' cooperation, and that usually they will offer it. The key to solving problems instead of repeatedly talking about it is a belief that there is a great solution. You want to care about other people's needs because that is central to cooperation. But you also have to know that you can't effectively meet everyone else's needs without their help. So if your coworkers, your boss, your partner refuse to help solve the problem, then you have to do it alone. And when with every opportunity, there will become some way to cooperate down the line. Here are a couple of steps for solving it yourself. Be sure you've made a thorough attempt to negotiate. 
Don't go solving it yourself until you've made that attempt. Tell the people what you're doing. State it clearly that you are attempting to negotiate something and that the assessment is that they don't want to work on it, so you're going to work on it on your own and come up with a satisfactory solution. Invite them to negotiate at any time or to step in to help. Communicate your goodwill and let them know that you value them and your partnership and that there is no, not a need for unilateral decisions, but that you have to make a choice and you have to make a decision. And make sure that the solution solves the problem for you, even if it doesn't seem to solve it for everybody else. Because if you're happy, then they will be happy, hopefully, eventually. So hopefully this will help you go into action just stop talking, stop whining, and your communication will satisfy everyone in life. Have a plan for your life, set goals, know where you want to go, and just know that there are detours on this road called life. And here at Star Style, Be the Star You Are, we'll be here with you with ideas and options. Thanks so much for being great listeners and allowing us into your life every week. For more information about Star Style, visit StarStyleProductions.com. For information or to make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, visit btsya.com or bethestaryouare.org. We hope you were encouraged, inspired, and motivated today, and we hope you pick up a, a copy of The Darkness Drops. Until next week when we celebrate again, my name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be The Star You Are, and we encourage you to go out into the world and shine. Be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our power party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You are.